one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing tonight? Big Dave and Joe, another edition of the show. And uh, we do the show from South Florida, so we dodged the storm. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, we got a, we did not get hit by Hurricane Dorian, who uh, stalled out over the Bahamas and then made a right turn and went up the coast. And uh, so I guess and, a lot and of and even messed up over two hundred thousand people without electricity somewhere in yeah, Canada. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't heard much about Jacksonville. I think they got a lot of water. I don't know if uh, there was any building damage to any of the places. I'm really kind of wondering how the different poker venues up the East Coast fared. Well, yeah, I, and, and to be honest with you, I tried to reach out to my sister. I haven't been, actually, she tried to call me back, so I haven't spoken to her since then, but I think she was out of town when this thing hit, so or got I don't out even of town. know. Yeah, could have been gotten out of town. I wonder how bad Myrtle Beach is, too. I mean, I know there's yeah. no poker up there, but they got they got hit pretty hard in that whole coastal area there. Yeah, absolutely. They have poker there? <laughs> they probably do, but we did, but but not not that Lots we would golf, be aware about. That's a private little game probably going on over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I did read a story today that I thought was interesting. Uh, that even though the major uh, poker site in the Bahamas, which is Atlantis, uh, was not hit, uh, they are of course uh, located on Paradise Island. And uh, which is the southern part of the Bahamas, so that was really they didn't get hit by the storm at all. But they will suffer business-wise, uh, especially for their big tournament in January if it goes off as planned, which I assume it will. Uh, I have no reason to think it won't. Uh, but people just kind of look at things, and when they hear, "Oh, that's that tournament in the Bahamas. Oh, they got they got creamed by that storm. They can't. They they won't be open." And people really will not look into it that extensively, and I think that their business will suffer immensely. Well, you know, they've got plenty of plenty of time to, you know, get it out there that they weren't affected, that everything is, you know, back to normal. But they'll have by to have said, do extra advertising, I would think. Well, yeah, well, I said, listen, <laughs> part of do, part of <laughs> that's doing part business. of doing business, right? Right. That's, you know, as someone told me today, those are the rules. <laughs> if that happens, you've got to do the extra advertising to make sure people come in. Right. So they said uh, the senior vice president of STR, which is a lodging data provider, said, you know, it's not going to be, there's going to be an impact on their room demand, not because they're closed, but because the perception is they're closed. That's so. it. Well, listen, <laughs> you you have to get it out there and let them know you're not. But a pretty sad uh, situation there, obviously, with uh, people trying to get out uh, yeah, of there. Well just that, just yeah, absolutely destroyed. There's a, there's a Grand Lucayan resort on uh, Grand Bahama Island, which uh, was absolutely devastated. And then uh, there's did one called Bahamar. Did you see the Bahamar. pictures of the Freeport Airport and everything, I did, too? I did. Unbelievable. I did. Uh, you know, of course, it's always the poor areas that are in the lower ground and uh, that suffer the most damage. There's no doubt about that. But... Uh, I don't know if anybody was spared in Freeport, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, as far as property goes, I, I mean, people I people really spent time on their roofs and in their attics and things like that. And uh, and the scary stories. Now there's no place to go. Yeah, and you know, it reminds me of you know what was it last was it last year or two years ago with Puerto Rico when Maria hit them over there. It's, right. You know when these Caribbean islands get hit that. Are, don't have the infrastructure that we have because I believe if Nassau had gotten hit, yeah, it would have been horrendous. Probably take a long time, but they have a little bit better infrastructure on that island than they do in Freeport and in uh, what was the other one? The uh, the Grand ba- uh, the Abacos. Abacos, yeah. excuse me, the Abacos. Great Abaco, and you know, it's it's just listen. I tell people, you remember uh, Andrew here, Dave? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, holy cow. It took Homestead four or five years to even start to resemble some yeah. uh, half of what it used to be before then. So, you know, I can't imagine how long it's going to take them. And, and Puerto Rico's still recovering from theirs from two years ago. So, But, you, you know, all these tor- tornadoes and that sort of thing, is, a lot of times it's just like hit and miss. I, I remember I spent the Hurricane Andrew uh, at a friend's house in uh, Little Havana, near right near the Orange Bowl. And... 
he had a brand new Lexus, and I had a piece of crap sedan. I can remember which one it was, but <laughs> in the driveway. And when we went out the next morning, a bunch of the uh, tiles came off the roof and smashed his car, and mine was not touched. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned tornadoes. How many times have we seen pictures where, you know, on one block, nine houses get destroyed and one doesn't even get touched? Absolutely. So anyway, our thoughts and prayers are with those people, no question. And uh, you know, I hope it does not affect the poker scene down there. I hope it doesn't, but uh, you never know. It could, and uh, you know, certainly the re- perception of people. Hopefully, they'll be listening to shows like ours and. Uh, well, watching for I'll the tell advertisements you what, and uh, uh, NASA with that tournament should maybe think of not only advertising to let everybody know that they're open but run some sort of uh, big tournament so that uh, all the all all the revenue from it can go to you know help and rebuild these these places yeah, absolutely but it'll take there people said that it would take five six years for that place to be anywhere close to what it was at one point anyway uh Poker things to talk about tonight. A few things uh, on tap this evening. The uh, Legends of Poker was completed uh, over just before the weekend, and Aaron Van Blarkham is the winner. He uh, wins 474000 for winning that. He was the short stack of the final six and ended up winning the tournament. Not a lot of big names. I mentioned Jared Griner last week. He ended up finishing third, but uh, Georgi Ganchev was second. And uh, that was the run there. The, there's one. Uh, there's a Chinese girl that I follow on Twitter. Her name's Kitty Kuo. I did see her at the Seminole Hard Rock a couple of weeks ago. She's married to Russell Thomas, who uh, is a former November Niner. And she, it's funny because you know her her uh, English is not great, and she tweets a lot. Very cute, and uh, and it's pretty funny too because of the way she uses the language. But she ended up finishing eighth in this tournament, so. I'm was following her along to hope he that sh- maybe she could make the final table, but uh, she ends up finishing in eighth place for fifty-eight thousand. But still, not bad. Uh, several big events coming up. Uh, going underway right now in Britain is that British Poker Open, where I told you the uh, first event had only twenty-six players. Then uh, two had only thirty entries. So there's some big, uh, you know, big buy-ins and that sort of thing. So that does hold the fields down. But they're playing a lot of short deck poker. And uh, there are big names there. Stephen Chidwick is playing Sam Soverell, uh Luke Greenwood, Rainer Kempe, Steve O'Dwyer, a few others like that. And uh, it's getting some attention, but uh, fields are small. And, uh, again, I look to the oversaturation of poker and how many big events there are now. I wonder if that's going to be a problem. Well, eventually it will be, you know, unless you keep, you know, growing the pool of players out there. Um, it's just eventually you're going to have to start to fine-tune these. They're going to have to find a way because, you know, without the guarantees and you know, without those big prize pools, you know, which are guaranteed and, you know, we're starting to see some of these places that are not meeting their guarantees down here in South Florida. We've seen that um, poker rooms and casinos will make will, might make the decision for the poker room manager and for the poker community in that area because, you know, they're they're definitely not in business to lose money. Yeah. So, um, and it's so hard, Dave. You know, the, being a former poker room manager and stuff. You know, you set up a schedule for it and. Obviously, you know, your competitors are free to do what they want to do. You you always try not to compete against each other for big events because that's just, you know, ass nine way of doing business, right, exactly. in my opinion, you know. But it's not that you're, hey, uh, Dave, when are you going to run your tournament? I'm, I'm thinking of running it these days. But, you know, again, here, as I've always said, you know, I, I honestly believe the Hard Rock could put everybody out of business if they wanted to, except yeah. for maybe one or two other rooms. If they wanted to absorb the loss and just, you know, make it one massive place to come and play poker. Um, but, you know, that that's how it is, Dave. This, and you're right. It, we're heading to a point where we might have hit the saturation point with the players. And now that's it. You know, the, the pool is going to grow less than a percent a year. And tournaments keep popping up everywhere. You're, you're going to eventually, you know, start missing these numbers. And then, then it's going to be very interesting to see how the corporations and, and the big uh, companies decide how they want to handle this with guaranteed money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Borgata uh, Winter Open, I guess it's called. Is this the Fall Open or the Winter Open? I'm not sure. Uh, but they are playing currently, and it says WP 
PT uh, main event coming up uh, this weekend. It starts on uh, starts on Sunday, the fifteenth. Uh, Thirty five hundred dollar buy in, and uh, they will play a couple of day ones on uh, Sunday and Monday, and then Tuesday is day two. So uh, I was looking at the tournament that's playing now, three hundred dollar buy in, and. Uh, I pointed this out to Joe before the show, but uh, a name that we're familiar with is Sherry Bogkowski, who wrote the Kaizen of Poker, playing in the event. So uh, she's a player, regular up there. And if you didn't hear our show when we had her on two weeks, uh, I'm a big fan of that book. Yeah, great book. I think uh, if you're just learning how to play poker and want to get some ideas about it, I, I think that's a wonderful book. It's a quick, easy read, and you can understand that. So, uh, Sweet Lady with us and uh, I'm very grateful she sent me an autographed copy but I'm telling you you know I enjoyed the hell out of that book yeah she's a very nice person too uh, so she is playing in that but we'll uh, take a look next week we'll have the results from their uh, main event and we'll get to that but uh, uh, certainly a bunch of big events coming up right now the uh, World Series of Poker Circuit playing in uh, St. Louis at the Maristar St. Charles and then they will head to Thunder Valley next week and Potawatomi in Milwaukee before heading down here to the Seminole Coconut Creek. So that's still to come here in the month of September. Um, some other things I wanted to mention tonight. Uh, uh, Maryland Live it will be hosting a big WPT event. And I kind of laughed when I saw this because, uh, you know, they'll have their uh, 13 days worth of poker, 21 events. And the main event is a $1.5 million guarantee uh, at Maryland Live, which I uh, got a big kick out of that because I remember how Mike really <laughs> sweated he out sweated the $1 million. The first $1 million guarantee in this whole Down state here of Florida. At Florida at Pompano Park and at the Al Casino in Pompano Beach. And I uh, just got a kick out of that. I thought I was going to send him maybe a tweet and said, uh, hey, I see you're moving up in the world now. Anyway, they will uh, play a bunch of events. Their main event starts on Saturday, September the 28th, and 1B will be on Sunday, September the 29th. So uh, that's another tournament we'll keep an eye on. Last year, a South Florida player won the tournament. Tony Roberto uh, won the tournament, overcoming a field of 554 players, and it was his second WPT main event title. So... A uh, nice strong turnout there. Uh, not so much in Britain at the British Poker Open, but you know, hopefully things will get better over there. I also wanted to mention <coughs> a quick story about uh, MGM Resorts out in Las Vegas. And uh, the uh, Country Music Festival, obviously Route 91, where the big shooting was last year. Uh, yep. That was last October. It's almost been I a year. I remember I left that that shooting occurred, I believe, on a Saturday night and our Sunday, and I left that Thursday from Vegas when that shooting occurred. It was just devastating. Yeah. Anyway, they are going to. There's a big parking lot there, which is was the site of the concert, and the you know, MGM actually owns that land. It's right by the uh, Mandalay Bay, which is where the shooter shot out of the building. Um, it's called the Village, that area, and. Uh, Actually, it was two years ago. It was uh, October of 2017. That's amazing that that much time has gone by. so quick, yeah. Anyway, they are going to, MGM Resorts' plans to put a community center there and an athletic center. So there will be a memorial for the 58 victims who lost their lives there. And I thought that was a nice thing to do. Obviously, you know, there's lots of money and people, you know, insult them saying they're greedy and that sort of thing but they have done some nice things and uh, it's going to be basically uh, used in the meanwhile until that gets built as a parking lot for the uh, new stadium the way that the Raiders are going to play in so that's uh, something I thought was pretty cool and I saw a picture of the parking lot and in the area so uh, Vegas continues to grow and get bigger and bigger uh, also, I want to mention about Daniel Negreanu. Now, he sold action during the World Series of Poker this summer. And uh, it didn't go so well because packages sold out in less than three minutes. But a glitch on the website allowed uh, the pieces to oversell. And he had to really backtrack and uh, 
uh, issue a bunch of refunds. Now, with a month to go before WSOP Europe in the Czech Republic, uh, he is going to offer buy-ins again. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. All 15 events with no rebuys will cost you 449,000 euros. So this is some big name uh, buy-ins here, and uh, you know there are buy-ins, rebuys on some of these events. But he, the cool thing I thought was he is offering uh, uh, pieces to those who got shut out during the World Series of Poker for no markup, which is uh, nice. And he will also be uh, vlogging all his action during the series. And uh, he said that he could conceivably drop more than uh, 1.2 million in buy-ins over there. So, uh, you know, he needs to sell a little action, he even though he's loaded. That, huh? <laughs> exactly. He had a great summer uh, out there in Vegas this year. He cashed 16 times, made four final tables this year, and finished second in two tournaments. Missed out on his bracelet, but did finish second in both the $10,000 stud tournament and the 100000 high roller. So, a uh, nice little profit for those people who did get in to support him there. And he is in the running now for Player of the Year honors, uh, third place behind Sean Deeb and Robert Campbell. So we'll keep an eye on Daniel. I think he's one of the good guys. I don't know. He had I, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you like him or I, not. Yeah, I've, I've always Some people think that. he's uh, full of himself, but uh, I think he's very kind. He's given uh, media people lots of time. And and you know, I believe the... the, the the criticisms, this year. the criticisms that he has put on certain people and uh, signaled them out, I've agreed with almost all of them. Yeah, you know. he's not afraid to say what he thinks, but uh, usually, you know, he, he has a pretty good uh, opinion on things. So, anyway, a couple other things we'll talk about when we get back. There's a new movie coming out that uh, involves poker and uh, Vince Van Patten, so... I got to meet him. him. I got to meet him and talk to him for about half an hour uh, uh, at Miami High Lie up in the uh, Courtview Club upstairs. Oh, yeah? yeah, he was having dinner with his wife and and uh, another couple, and uh, we sat there and we spoke for about half an hour with me and uh, and Vince there. So he was asking us about the the how the style and back when I met him, we were still in the quarter fifty cent ten pot ten dollar pot restriction time. Well, he was a really good tennis player and played uh, professionally, professionally for yeah. a while and. Uh, also, of course, has done several movies and that sort of thing, besides his uh, successful career as the uh, WPT uh, analyst over the years. But uh, he, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about that when we come back. There's a lot of stuff uh, happening. I always, you know, I, when these movies come out that involve poker, you know, obviously they don't always get it right. But uh, they have a lot of really well-known people, and we'll talk about that. Uh, and so I think you're going to see a really good view of poker action as part of the movie. So All I remember is he was pretty cool, you know, and uh, didn't f- didn't seem like he was full of himself. He was very down-to-earth yeah. and a uh, very nice gentleman. So right. I'm glad he gave me some time to just uh, talk with him there. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about the movie when we come back and uh, a couple other things going on today. Uh, and we'll keep an eye on some of the tournaments that are happening uh, around the country and keep you updated on those. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Don't forget, you can always pick us up on SoundCloud or our website, Poker Action Line. Uh, you can get us on the Hold'em Radio Network, the Poker Fuse podcast page, and a few other places, uh, really, wherever you get your uh, your podcast. Be sure to look us up, Poker Action Line, here from South Florida every week. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Thanks for being with us tonight. We'll be right back. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart. 
but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet it looked like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the program, Big Dave and Joe. And uh, let's get to this movie. I wanted to... uh, you know, pass along the information. It's coming out later in the fall here, and the producer is a fellow named Adam Weinrob, and he's uh, kind of a, a veteran poker player, uh, not professionally in any way, but uh, he does play poker, and in fact, uh, there was one time he, he plays a lot out in Los Angeles, obviously, and uh, at the Commerce, he plays a lot at the Commerce, and talks about uh, his life in poker, and decided to put together a movie. But uh, he's obviously pretty, uh, pretty uh, well off financially. And he uh, saw one time that the World Poker Tour was donating a seat to uh, the Susan G. Komen Foundation for Breast Cancer Research, and he bid something like seven or eight thousand and won a seat into this tournament, and got in and ended up winning the tournament. Oh wow! So pretty cool. Anyway, uh, so he is now, uh, talks about the story about how he was uh, playing at the Legends of Poker event uh, three years ago, and uh, during a dinner break, uh, Vince Van Patten sat down near him at the at at the same table. He was at the same table he was at, and they talked the entire time, and he had this idea for a, for a movie. And uh, Vince, of course, an actor, he was in uh, several uh, uh Daytime uh, soap operas. Yep. Uh, well, I don't remember him on TV, but I remember his dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Dick Van Patten. Uh-huh. Uh, the Bold and the Beautiful. He was on Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless. So uh, he also was in uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So uh, he's had uh, movie things and everything. So now um, there's a script uh, that uh, he approached Vince with that was called Walk to Vegas. And uh, now it's called Seven Days to Vegas. So that will be the name of the film. So Van Patten uh, wrote the st- actually wrote the story with uh, Steve Alper, and it was based on the true account of a prop bet that had uh, come from one of their Hollywood uh, poker home games. Uh, a guy accepted, uh, one of the bets was the guy accepted a $50,000 bet for to dress in drag for three months. <laughs> Those are the kind of things. And then he said uh, he got challenged... Uh, uh, so he wrote this as part of the character in the movie to walk from L.A. to Vegas in seven days for one million dollars. So that's basically the premise of the movie. In seven days? Mm-hmm. What's that distance? About two hundred and sixty miles, give or take. I would say. So, wow, that's thirty miles a day. More, more than, than thirty more miles. Uh, that's that's a marathon. That, you know, running a marathon is twenty six point three. So. Yeah, that's that's got to be very tough. Right. That's got to be very, very tough. So, uh, Wine Rob, uh, whose uh, uh, wife was uh, also an, um, her, her name is Eileen Davidson. And, oh, she was the one that was in the, I'm sorry, I had that wrong. She was the one that was in the daytime soap opera, so not 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 Vince. I was going to say, I, don't remember, was I wouldn't have known him in any daytime <laughs> opera. All I remember him was playing tennis. Yeah, he was ranked number 25 in the world at one point. But he was in a movie called The Break and one called Hell Night, and then he was also on Baywatch a few times, I guess. But uh, she was an actress, and so 
they together uh, were investors, Wine Rob and his wife, and uh, end up becoming a full-time uh, producer on the movie. Uh, Vince Van Patten, his brother Jimmy Van Patten, Kim Waltrip, and Alan Weinrob will be the producers. And uh, not a lot of huge name actors. Uh, did see that Chad Lowe is in it and John O'Hurley, who was on Seinfeld. He's yeah. Peterson on he also Jay did, Peter, he also, Peterman. Jay Peterman. He also did a game show. I'm trying to remember what yeah, game show yeah, he did. Yeah. The host, uh, yeah, I remember that. $20,000 Pyramid or something? Something like that. Uh, or was it uh, the one Richard uh, Dawson? Richard Lowe, I Dawson think that was it. Too. I think that was it. Okay. Anyway, they said that there will be some really great poker scenes, and it will be realistic, no cheesy setups and that sort of thing. And uh, he hopes to sell online stuff at uh, on the WPT uh, shopping website and uh, that sort of thing at all. So that will be coming out later in the year, and we'll be checking that out. Officially opens in, well, actually, next week, September 20th. So uh, you can pre-order the movie on iTunes. Uh, officially, it is released on September the 24th. And uh, I think we'll enjoy that. Another, uh, some of them are good, some are not so good. <laughs> but I guess that's all the way it always is. Yes, right? it is. Anyway, Seven Days to Vegas, starring Vince Van Patten, and uh, I guess coming to a theater. So is he going to be? The, was he going to be the one taking the walk? The challenge. Vince is. Yeah, he's the guy who does the walk. Well, you know, you start thinking about it. You, you three miles. You could do three miles in an hour and. The thing is whether you can maintain it for 12 hours in a day to get the 36 miles, sleep sleep the other 12. Yeah, but what, is there time for gambling? <laughs> get the tables along no, the way? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, make sure that crew following you doesn't leave you in the desert. Vince called it uh, the hangover meets the sting. So we'll see what happens with that. Anyway, um, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, a few other things going on. Um, there's one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, an article that was on Poker News. So let's get into that little discussion now. And that's uh, an article by Ashley Adams, who we always follow on the, sh- on the show, uh, talking about the importance of table selection. You know, if you're a regular player that, uh, you know, plays at a room, obviously you're looking for a table that's right for you. And, uh, you know, you're not, you're not always uh, in a good situation. There might be a table full of sharks that uh, are going to eat you alive. Or uh, just maybe one or two bad actors that you just don't want to hang out with. So you should take a look. And uh, uh, your long-term profit comes from uh, not only skills of player, but it comes from uh, you know applying on table selection, very important thing. So he has a list of five things you need to do. And I'd like to run those down and get your thoughts on that. Uh, you can't be lazy, you know, to not make the effort to get away from a table that you know is not good for you. You can't worry about other people getting angry if you leave for another table. And uh, you just got to find the right spot for you. So step one, honestly size up the relative skill of your opponents and yourself. So that basically starts out with the whole point of knowing your game and what kind of skill that you have and then being able to pick out the table, uh, you know. I, Dave, you know, it's funny because we've we've had shows before when other people have also mentioned and it, it always seems to be a, a top criteria for, for everybody to, you know, pick a table. And I couldn't agree any more with that. Problem is, my experience here and even my experience playing in Vegas when I've gone out there, it's so difficult. I mean, you know, I'm, that's an infor- that, that to me is something more of you got more information in private games. Like when you get invited to a private game to know, hey, you know, who... Out of what poker pool are they picking these players, and you know who's showing up eighty to ninety percent of the time, and are these are the people that I want? I know the private games that still exist here usually are riddled with two or three very good poker players who are the ones who try to organize this game, and they try to invite nothing but fishes to this game. They don't want anybody else good to coming in. So you're not so going to get in. So there you anyway. can't get in there anyway. Then you go to the to the poker room, and yeah, you know the the rooms that have bigger tables. Well, guess what? Unless you're there when they're forming, it's hard because I remember you know uh, Steve and I can't remember his last name. The one that everybody was chasing down here, you know the 
man who I think came up with the magic jack thing uh, for the for the phones and you know everybody was chased him. I remember my brushes used to make great tip from players who who would give him fifty a hundred bucks just to let him know hey I found out Steve's coming over here you know and give him a call. Yeah, that's fine. Guess what? You get to that game, and that's the game you want to get on because it's got Steve and maybe two or three other fishes on that on that on that game. It's all timing. You get here and they'll say, oh, there's four people in front of you who want to transfer to that table. <laughs> you know, so, it, it, yeah, in an ideal world, you want to pick your table like that. But I don't know if it's just me, but I haven't had a whole lot of experience where I could say this. All I do know is I've sat at a table, played for 20 minutes, and said, I definitely don't want to play with these players, and have gotten up and left. Or you, that doesn't you, you mean you I can go. Line, I don't this. go right. No, I say, look, take me off this table. You know, I'm leaving this table. Give my seat away to whoever's next on the line, and try to get to another table. But again, it, premium tables. And when I say premium tables, is that you have the proper uh, equation of players that you like to play with, where you have a few tight ones, some loose ones, and some calling stations. I don't know. I, I I'd love to do that. I just uh, you know, I don't know. It hasn't been a, a priority, not a priority. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A situation that I could actually control. Yeah. Whether it's been in Atlantic yeah, City, like, Vegas, or down here in South Florida. Like, like probably most of the rooms you've been involved with, you basically you just put your name on a list. You can't put it for which table you want usually or do too much. Well, with you it. can. And then you could say, whenever, I want to go play on table five. Yeah. Okay. But first of all, for table five, obviously this has got to be your local poker room. Right. You've got to know the players. What usually happens, in, at least in my experience, has always been, hey, we get together. And it's like, let's say, you, you know, Dave, Gio, you know, Joe, who, whose house uh, we're, we're at here. Listen, uh, we get together and go, hey, why don't we meet at such and such casino and we'll sit down. And once we get there, we got seven or eight, nine people that we all know. And we form our own table. So when they talk about going and choosing and making sure you have the right table selection, to me it's more of, hey, sit down. If you don't like the the mix of player, right, the game, get out of it. Outside of you staging the game, you know, or or organizing the game, let's sort of speak and say, hey, let's go to the, we're going to meet at this place at 7 o'clock at, at uh, Miami Highlight, for instance, or Casino Miami, I should say, and, you know, we'll meet at 7. Well, we're going to get in there. All of a sudden, three or four players show up late, and you go, oh, my God, look, Dave and Joe and Gio are there. These guys are horrendous poker players. Get me on that table as soon as you can. They go to the brush. But outside of that, you know, the way I look at these articles, I don't know how you see it, Big Dave, but it's like if I'm walking into into the Bellagio uh, tonight, and I could pick the game, pick and choose the game. If Unless you're a local, it's hard as hell to do yeah. that. Well, just humor me then, because maybe we're looking at kind of the games where there's like 60 or 70 tables going at the World Series, and, and you go around. Do you ever notice people checking out games, trying to decide where they want to go? Do you see that in your room? No, no. Not, not really. Be, and I'm talking about now, because right now, our, my, you know, the room that I'm working in, you know, We've had to start at the bottom of the barrel again and, and try to work our way up, and it's a lot harder with Hialeah being as close as they are now, which wasn't an issue back in 2012. Um, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Think about it. If 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 they're running ten tables of the stakes that you like to play at, whatever they are, do you know all hundred people that are playing there? Yeah. You know. It's 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 very difficult. Yeah, you're going to know 20 or maybe 20 or 25 of them that you've played with. But they write these articles like you've known all these players for quite a long time. You know, you got to spend a lot of years. And by that time, I think most poker players, you know, the good ones know who the fish are, who the bad players are. Let me use that term. But who the, who, who the, the least experienced or the crazy players are. And they're going to always try to get a seat at that table. Well, he says, you know, maybe you see players that you've avoided in the past, stay away from that table. But But his funny line was, he says, (laughs) well, of course it is, of course it is. uh, He said, you know, how about uh, the one with five folks sitting together from a bachelor party, or the one with six of the people have bottles of beer in front of them, two of them have big stacks. 
You said that that might be a table you want to go to. Right. Like I said, with him writing that down there, he's probably telling you, look for the people having a lot of fun and maybe have had a little too much to drink. You see the, the, the action. But, you know, once again... You're going to have to walk around. Sometimes these people have a game where almost everybody in there is an invited person to that game that they want to sit and play with. And it shouldn't be like that in a public poker room, Dave. But sometimes it is. Yeah. But, yeah, it it does make a lot of sense. I agree 100% with Ashley there in the sense of pick your table. But I think that's more towards, you know, knowing a few of the players and knowing who you could take advantage of because – you know their game so well. You know their style so well. And when they play loose and wild, it's just a matter of time for you to get the right hand and trap them in, in, in those games. And those are the tables you want to be at. You, you definitely don't want to be at a table where, you know, seven of you are as tight as can be and you're chasing two other people. Yeah. There's just no fun. There's no way of making money for the most part there. Yeah. This third step is to... Uh uh, have the initiative to ask the floor for a table change. Um, do you try to accommodate people when they do that? Obviously, yeah, around? yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are people just they want to change. They want to change their looks. Uh, as Ashley says, sometimes the better game is the next ta- You know, is the, is the table next to yours? You know, because you recognize two or three people that you might have played with at other places. And people don't haven't quite gotten a read on them that they're bad players or very loose players, let's say. Um, you don't like the people at your table. Not that you know the people at the other. So, yeah, sometimes people will sit down at the table and before they even take before they even take a seat at the table, they're telling you, listen, I'm going to sit at table five, but I really want to go to table two as soon as the seat opens up over there. Yeah. And usually when that happens... They've got one or two people in front of them because if they come in knowing that they really want to sit on table two when table five has a seat open, <laughs> it's it's they recognize there's somebody there that they think they could take advantage of. I know there's been a few times where I, I don't play much cash games uh, because I really can't afford to keep going back in my pocket, you know, losing losing the stack in front of me and go back in, buying in and again. Well, uh, I don't have enough confidence in my game, but I know that I've been to tables where I sat down and I knew immediately when there's maniacs there going all in and raising, and I really don't have a feel for how they play, that I'm completely intimidated. And I've, there's been several times what? where I've gotten up after just a couple of hands. Listen, I, I, remember, I remember the joke. is when you sit down and play in a poker, and it seems after, after half an hour, if you can't tell who the bad player at the table is, it's you, you know. And like I said, I don't have a problem reaching into my pocket unless I know that I have been sucked out on a whole lot. You know, and either it's 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 affected me that it's put me on tilt, which I don't like to play on, and I yeah. always I've I've avoided that for the most part of my poker career. I, I I there are a few exceptions, but if I know that the table has a lot of bad players and I got sucked out on once or twice, then I'm going to reach into my pocket and play there. Yeah. You know. Anyway, he says, don't worry about it if people, you know, uh, start asking you questions about why you're leaving the table or going to another table. He said most of them don't really even care because they're too either too engrossed in their hands or, uh, you know, they, they simply don't really think twice about it. Well, the only reason that the other people will ask is because it makes their table a little more shorthanded, Dave. That's been my my experience as opposed to... You know, oh, uh, you know, why do you want? Why don't you want to play with us? They don't really care. Yeah. They, you know, they they seem to be self-absorbed in what they're doing, and all they're like, hey, he's going to a full table. So as a poker room manager, as a supervisor, you know, even as a dealer, you want to make sure somebody does just doesn't get up and move to the other table, because the table they're at could be shorthanded to begin with. So you're always like. Yeah, that other seat's going to stay open, but until I get a player to replace you on this table, you can't move to that table. Yeah. And, you know, that's how you try to keep both tables open for everybody. Another step is he said, be willing to move even if you just want a hand. He said, don't make the decision that you want to leave the table and you stick around for a hand or two and then you win a hand and then change your mind. Oh, well, I guess I'll stay here. That's a great point because, you know, all of a sudden it, it seems like your perspective has changed and you want to stay there. No. You knew you wanted to go to that other table because you think you, you can now play the players over there. And to be honest with you, 
I've seen both of those situations occur, Dave, where someone has won one or two hands, and they go, you know what, I'm going to stay here, and I've seen other people who have won, and I'm going, hey, you stay here. No, 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 I'm, I'm just going to rack up my chips and hold my seat on the other table. So yeah. I've seen both scenarios that you just mentioned. And his last point is be willing to move again if conditions require it. He said you don't want to be a nuisance for the people in the room, but he says he's moved two or three times in a session. Uh, to try to find a more profitable table, and it seems to have paid off, as he's had more uh, wins than losses. Well, I get a lot of those people because they're running bad. I don't think it's because they're good players, but, yeah, if if you're in a room that allows you and has the sufficient uh, amount of tables and action added that, that and, and uh, limits that you play, yeah, why not? If If it's not going good or the game has gone bad, sometimes the game is really good, you know, uh, a few people chop up the money of the bad people. They don't. They they're not replaced by other bad players. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's seven-handed, and the people who have moved in are all people similar in skill level. Uh, you know, as yourself. All of a sudden, everybody looks around, going, "Yeah, we don't. We we don't need to chop up each other and uh, pay the house rake and everything else." So. Uh, they'll break the game. They'll, they'll actually. I've seen them get up and just break the game. Uh, yeah, we don't want to play with this. Now, if your room isn't big enough, I mean, uh, or you don't have enough action, I should say not big enough, but have enough. Let's say you're playing five ten or you know ten twenty five, no limit. In some places around the United States, you might you're lucky if you get just one table. So you actually don't have a choice. It's either sit here or get up and not play at all. So. Right. You know, if you're if you're lucky enough to have that choice, yeah, I agree 100% with Ashley there. Just keep moving until you find until you find a table that you feel you're you're a superior player to the other ones. Yeah, he said it's better to uh, to quit a tough game uh, than to stick at one that uh, you know for a lot of different reasons that don't mean a lot. But uh, basically, you're looking for a good game. And he says, remember, there's no prize for valiantly soldiering on against the best players in the room. <laughs> no. I like and, that, I like that I, line. It, it is. It's great. But I know that the poker ego of most of the poker players, at least the ones that I've gotten to know very well over the last 15, 20 years, the ones that have started at, at a much lower limit and have worked their way up, always want to take that challenge for some reason. And... Uh, Hate. Sadly, most of, most of them, the large percentage of them, uh, their skill level, their skill set hasn't improved to the point where they could take these on at the moments that they've moved up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's take another break on the show. We'll come up with one final session. And when we come back, uh, again, don't forget that we can always, uh, you can always get our show anywhere you have podcasts. Just put in Poker Action Line. Uh, iTunes is uh, a good place to subscribe to the show, rate the show, and, and we would appreciate that as well. Uh, SoundCloud is the one we recommend to people because then you can tweet the show out afterwards. And uh, if you like the show, tweet it to your friends or send it out by email. There's a very easy way to do that on SoundCloud. And we do uh, we do appreciate it if you do that. So uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we come back. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line. And we will return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables. With a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes. And if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. 
However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. I want to make something of myself. I want to succeed. The National Guard recruiter helped me get where I wanted to go. The Guard is providing me with paid training. In the National Guard, I get money for college plus a steady paycheck. In the Guard, I train near my home. I'm there for my family, my community, and my country. And I'm proud to be a member of the National Guard. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask how you can get the education and job skills you need in the National Guard. Welcome back to the show. Final segment of the show. Uh, a few things, to, a couple things to talk about here, including the uh, GPI and the rankings of players. Uh, the fellow that won the main event over here at the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, uh, Sean Winter, has uh, moved up to the top of the list as far as the player of the year, picking up the points there. He is the uh, number one player of the year race uh, by just a slight margin over Rainer Kempe. And right behind them, Stephen Chidwick. Uh, did get a chance to talk with Stephen real briefly last year at the Seminole Hard Rock, and we carried an interview on the show. Sam Greenwood, currently ranked number four. Bryn Kenny having a great year. Uh, he is number five on the list now. He had that huge win at the Triton Million just about a month ago. Uh, it was worth about $20.5 million in wow. cash. Pretty crazy. But... Uh, it wasn't didn't move him up to the top of the list since the, there's not as many points involved for something that's that's big a buy-in. But Shannon Shore is currently sixth, Manig Loser in seventh, Ali Imzerovich is eighth, Danny Tang is ninth, and James Romero is tenth. So we're getting a lot of new players that uh, a lot of people may not be familiar with, uh, basically uh, breaking onto the scene, improving their games. And uh, we were talking a little bit about poker burnout. Uh, it does happen to a lot of players. Uh, when you play many years, there's family things like with Jason, who had got married, had a child, and that changed his well, uh, outlook. Dave, I mean, listen, <laughs> it it becomes, you know, like they say, poker's a, a tough way to make an easy living, as the saying goes, and especially if it's only tournament, because or 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 the majority is tournament, because you got to do a lot of traveling, so that doesn't leave a lot of time for family if you have one. If you're in a relationship, you know, Jason is married, God bless, and with a beautiful child, great family upbringing. He met his girlfriend, who was also very Natasha, you know, poker player. But outside of that, you're within that group. It's the same thing happens in the casino business where, you know, because of the shifts and the hours that you put in, you know, a lot of people who work together somehow wind up, you know, hooking up in, in, in whatever aspects you want because of the time there. And in poker... You're moving from place to place. There's a lot of expenses in traveling, a lot of lonely time. You know the the internet scenario where you're not you're not only playing poker. There comes a point, no matter how how successful you've been, and granted that definitely helps you keep pushing you on. But all of a sudden you start going, holy cow! You know my close friends when I was growing up, I don't talk to them anymore, and it, and you start saying, I don't have time to talk to them. Well, let me see. If you're playing 10 hours in a brick and mortar and then another 8 hours online and sleeping 5 or 6, yeah, yeah, of course not. You're not making time for them. You're not making time for your family, talking about brothers, sisters, mother, father, cousins, whatever, you know, whoever was close to you growing up. And we've been told by Bernard Lee how lucky that his wife has allowed him, but he comes home you know, because if not, you're going to lose that family too. Right, so right. the burnout is quick. When you're single... You could extend it a lot longer as a family man or woman. I, I can't see how you could do this for more than, let's say, one year. You say, hey, I'm taking a year, maybe two, and I'm going to do my best to see how much money I can win, see how successful I can be. And then after that, you've got to make decisions. You know, you, you, you find out 
that there's a world outside of this. It, it, it's 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 almost like uh, you know one of those enticing drugs poker is because, wow, and especially if you have some sort of success right off the bat, you know you it's you know you're you're hooked, and it takes a while and until you sit down one day probably in a lonely in a lonely uh, hotel room going the hell my my friends are hanging out at a club back home or doing this that and the other right and you start you know balancing and saying you know how how important is it some of these young guys have made a lot of money and then they live a lifestyle like that money's going to be coming in all the time when you start blowing that and you turn back and you look and you go oh my god I can I had millions of dollars how the hell do you know how am I down to where I'm at right now and some of it is down to the point of borrowing money from people. Right. And you start beating yourself out. So, yeah, burnout is very big. I have seen so much of it on a much smaller scale than some of these young guys with the millions that they've won. But I've seen people lose their family, Dave. It's sad. Uh, they thought they were going to be, you know, the God's gift to poker. And they found out, you know, how how difficult it is to continually be successful you you have to evolve in a lot of different ways as a player, and physically we know how hard that is, and and how mentally how tough it is. So very easy to burn out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the winner that I mentioned that uh, St. Charles event uh, at Ameristar on the uh, WSOP circuit that did finish this afternoon. Uh, Scott Hall was the winner from Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, as I look down the list, uh, one player that I do know, Ravi uh, Raghavan, who's from the Chicago area, finished in sixth place in that one. Uh, the uh, the event was a $1,700 buy-in. And just looking at some of the winners there, the opening event was won by Carlos Loving, who we've had on the show. He's a former dealer from Tampa that uh, plays a lot of the events. He'll always come down here. And I noticed that Robert Keeling won two events in a row. Pretty good for a circuit to win two rings back-to-back. Yes, it is. He won a $400 buy-in no limit and also the $400 monster stack. And Hall, Hall wins 130000 Don't see uh, Maurice Hawkins in here. And he's probably putting the blame on somebody else. <laughs> uh, one last thing to talk about... Uh, was an article that I read by Vivian Saliba, who uh, represents 888 on the uh, tour in different places. She's from uh, Brazil, and uh, her favorite variant is Pot Limit Omaha. So uh, have you uh, picked up on Pot Limit Omaha at all? You see a lot of more games I've dealt. That? Well, remember when I was at Dania dealing a few years ago, um, you know, let me tell you. That's when I got to see a lot of it and some really big action of Potlum in Omaha. Uh, it seems to have become the very, a very popular game down here in South Florida. I don't know how it's going in the rest of the country, but you know the, those are usually the big games now in the rooms down here. No matter which room you're at, the Potlum in Omaha game seems to be the highest game on the, uh, you know in the room. So yeah. I've seen a lot of it. Uh, as I've mentioned many times over the many years that we've been doing this, Dave, Omaha has, has been, Omaha has been a, a, a little more difficult thing for me. I, I guess I haven't gotten the nuances of uh, all of it yet because uh, in pot limit Omaha high only, obviously, these guys are playing, you know, hands like if they were hold'em hands, which is what I saw. And to my amaze, you know, not to say to my amazement, but to my educational thing of watching them, because I always try to learn even when I'm dealing, trying to get a read on play- players and how they think and and why they do things the way they do, you know, yeah, pocket aces they they play them like they were pocket aces and hold them, but obviously we know that uh, the variance is a lot higher in pot limit Omaha because there's four cards involved. Right. Exactly. So. But I was amazed in this really big games, pots of thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. You know how aces held up, and for some reason in tournament poker, and when I played it on a much lower limit, uh, they didn't hold up. At least they didn't seem to hold up as often. And I'm not just talking about me holding having aces. I'm talking about in general watching people having aces double suited. You know, uh, so this way they, they got the nut flush drawn two, two, two of the four suits. Uh, again, 
I haven't put in much time because I, I haven't liked the game since I didn't wasn't successful at it. And, and as I was dealing, I, I actually started to follow it and learn a little bit more. But like I said, now um, in our room, Friday, we have a game that has moved from King's Court to us. Now they are playing Omaha High-Low in a limit game. But they've converted all the other three and four tables that we used to have on Fridays. Have decided to now start playing Pot Limit Omaha, uh, not Pot Limit Omaha, just Omaha uh, uh, Limit. So you know it's uh, it's starting to grow, but you know it's the big game down here, so you need a big bankroll. I don't know how it is in the rest of the country. Yeah, well, Saliba actually does play uh, very well in. Uh no Limit Hold'em. She actually earned uh, over 300000 in the tournament, the World Series of Poker this year, in a the 888 uh, Crazy 8s tournament uh, against a very good field. But her favorite is a PLO, and she has three different points of things that you should not do in No Limit Hold'em. I and I and Pot Limit? In Pot Limit Omaha. Okay, what are they? Because I'm very curious uh, to hear The this. first one is don't get impatient when you're short-stacked in a PLO tournament. She said, even with just seven to ten big blinds, you have plenty of room to pick your spots and pick the right hands to play. So a lot of times people say, you know, I'm getting short stacked. I got to go all in. But she said that, uh, you know, PLO is a little bit different from that because, and I think I think you see that with a lot of people, um, you know, not playing real aggressively before the flop because. Uh, you know, there's so many hands out there, and when the flop comes, you know, there's a lot of different people that, people that can really improve their hands that may not have such a great hand going in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, without having played one, to be honest with you, I don't know if they're even anting in that game like they do in Hold'em. You know, if they're anting and they're doing a big blind ante, and you've got seven blinds, you've got a round... You're you're lucky if you got a round or two, at, uh, you know, with that because of the big blind Annie. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't play it, so it's very hard for me to make a, make a, uh, any guess as to how to play this. I'm gonna have to take take her out of word, and 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 if I do play that in the future, uh, use that information. The second one is uh, both goes for both cash games and tournaments in PLO, namely. Uh, she says, don't play too many hands. She said, you know, a lot of people just want to get out there. They play this game because there is lots of action, but they're out there playing too many hands. You know, you shouldn't just wait till you have a couple of uh, She needs to come cards. to South Florida and preach to <laughs> about uh, 100% of the poker rooms where they're playing this. But she said, especially in multi-way pots, you need to be very selective before you get involved. Anyway, the final thought is, don't just assume that PLO plays like No Limit Hold'em. <laughs> I was just mentioning that. Exactly. She said, uh, many players mistakenly think of PLO as Hold'em with four cards, and thus uh, apply strategy that's probably better for No Limit Hold'em. Uh, players uh, fail to appreciate the major differences, she said, between the games, including the differences caused by pot limit betting, which uh, obviously you don't have, and you don't have annies in uh, PLO tournaments either. So. Uh, okay, so that then then her advice is very good there without those annies. So anyway, um, so that's about it for that. Uh, I think I'd love to have uh, our two friends that are play a lot of PLO eight, Mark Perlman, Mark Perlman and, and, and Michael, Mike Michael Moed. Moed, uh, you know, to really learn a little bit more about the game. Maybe I mean, obviously, there's books out there. Look for an author because. To me, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite games, PLO 8. Uh, I enjoy playing that. and like the Raz, so I like the yeah, horse games. Yeah, it's because I love, I love everything in horse except for the Omaha because I love seven-card stud. I grew up on that. I love uh, seven-card stud high-low, seven, eight, you know, eight. For some reason, Omaha just hasn't hasn't clicked for me, and mm. I'm hoping someone will, will change that in, in the near future. Yeah. Okay, well, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, Joe, we do appreciate, as always, coming up from uh, down in uh, South Dade to, to make it to the show. Gio, thank you as well, as always, uh, for getting us on the air and putting together uh, the programs every week. Uh, well, he comes from further south than yeah, I Yeah, he does. <laughs> so thank you, Gio. Anyway, uh, we'll be back with another edition of the show next week, uh, working on a couple of guests upcoming. And... Uh, 
we will have some fun here on the program. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you'll join us every week. Uh, rate us on uh, iTunes. Uh, we appreciate that. I'd love to have you do that. Give us a five-star, and uh, that will help out the show in a major way. Thanks for being with us. I'm Big Dave Lemon. We'll catch you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.